Enjoying this cigar, man. Yeah, it's a good cigar. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for the cigar. Mm-hmm. It's tasty. It is. And it, it, it's complemented by my iced coffee. It, it goes well together. Mm-hmm. It goes really well together. I'm enjoying a gift. I posted on uh, Instagram. Someone oh, yeah. Gave Justin me, gave you this. Yeah, Justin gave me a box of cigars. Yeah. And Thanks was, for giving one to me. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> it was Caldwell's Long Live the King. But uh, it was a variation. Yeah, Caldwell is a boutique cigar yep. maker. Uh, they make great cigars. We love their cigars. Uh, Long Live the King, The King is Dead, the Eastern Standard, all that stuff. All good. This one, I believe, sorry. I, uh, it's a unique blend. It's a unique blend. And I don't know if it was, like, if it was an A.J. Fernandez one. I got to look at that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But this is, yeah, uh, Bad Mofo. <laughs> Which is like Bad Fofo. Wait, yeah. wait, what? Uh, mofo? What's that stand for? I don't know, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe um, I don't know. Mother of Fortune. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. Okay. Mother of Fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah, it okay. is. That's there what you it go. That, that's what it stands for. Anyways, <laughs> you're smoking a cussing cigar, Jimmy. I just want to point that out to everybody. Um, if, 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 if and I got nine more. Oh, oh yeah. If you, unless you give me one, then you have eight more. No, I have nine more. Eight is still plenty. Nine. I feel like eight is a lot. I'm good. You gave me the cheapest cigar in your box. Yes, I did. Actually, I chose it. Because it's my favorite. Yeah, that is, you're welcome. <laughs> I am the bottom shelf guy. <laughs> That's what I do. That's, That's what, what you I do. Get. Yeah, man. So how have you been? Been good, Take, man. It, so it's Saturday. Yeah. As we're recording, we're recording it's Saturday, Saturday, but you know mm-hmm. Tuesday. What? You know. Mm. You, we've got Here church we go. tomorrow. What? Go ahead. No, what? Let's go have I have church. Not, yeah. All right. I feel like you think I'm going to make no, fun I of you. No, I want to do your thing. I'm just asking. How's your prep going for tomorrow? You know that I don't prep until Saturday night. No, you know that's not true. <laughs> I know that's not true. You've been prepping all week. Now, I'm excited I, now I know today is the day where you kind of put it on your um, one your sheet. one sheet. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes so the way I, the way that I think Jimmy and I do a lot of similar prep stuff, but um, in terms of schedule wise, I make sure that everything that I want, I could preach the sermon now, um, but I want to make sure it's all tight. So I get rid of stuff that I'm not going to use. I boil it all down and I put it onto one half sheet of paper that I plug into my Bible with removable tape. But um, sometimes I'll actually wait till Saturday morning to put it onto the one sheet because writing it out again. So I've got it. It's like it's maybe it's on one sheet on Saturday, but it's mess. It's a mess. It looks like your notes. Yeah. So that uh, see, I do that Friday. Yeah. And that way, then I go back Saturday, yeah. and that's when I clean it up. Yeah. So uh, your notes are still a mess on Saturday. They look, they look, they're illegible. No, no, they're horrible. No, I they're can horrible. read them. Yeah. Nobody else can. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So they're not the um, ones preaching it. But I like to rewrite it on Sunday morning because it just reinforces it. It's just like if I rewrite it all oh, out again. Oh, I see how. You, so I'd be too stressed. No, because I could, I could preach it. I could preach it now. No, I know. I'd be too stressed to redo it Sunday morning. Is your hand shaking. Yeah. Get the shakes. I get the shakes. Yeah. That's why you only preach like once a quarter. Yeah. No, you're preaching more than that. I know, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm good with that. No, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. I'm back it, up re- in February. Revelation is awesome. And our people are loving it. They are. And we're just, we're just getting into it. And it's nice because re- you get to ease into Revelation. You know, cause you, cause you really, you start off with like the beginning and there's, mm-hmm, there's, mm-hmm. there's some vision. So what you start in the beginning. Is that is that really where? Well, that's where we start. That's where we start. Some people we're, just jump into the middle. Okay, we're not going to Tarantino this. Start at the end and work our way backwards. No, that's great for movies. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with sermons. Yeah, you've Tarantino. Yes, I have a message or two. Yep. Um, but no, we're going through. But what I mean is, like, by in starting in the beginning, you're eased into some of the imagery and the vision, and you get to go through these seven letters to the churches in Asia, right? Mm-hmm. 
Asia Minor. And those letters are like epistles. It's like reading Galatians or Ephesians, yeah, yeah, but yeah. in short form. So everybody gets like, oh, okay, there's Jesus standing in the midst of these lampstands mm -hmm. and the lampstand can be removed. So you get the, the visual vision type elements, but they're, they're they're getting eased into it through these letters. And then you just go whole hog into the vision. Yeah. So, uh, Looking uh, forward visions. to That's going to be good. People are digging it, man. You know what else is good? What else? What? What's that? Oh, what I we know. have for our all access listeners. So okay, listen, this are just for you guys. This is for you, not for them fools out there that aren't all access. No, members. don't call them fools. They're still great people. If they were, if they were wise, they'd be all access members. You know what? Your logic is sound. Thank you. Your logic is sound. We so love them. We love them, and we, you know, there was but, a great giveaway from Crossway and and uh, Banner of Truth. Mm -hmm. You know, gave away that box set. Looks fantastic. Yep. Uh, and so yeah, there was a giveaway for our five hundredth. But now this is for you guys. Now just. For our smaller all access. pool, yep. you have a much more like you're much more likely to win this playing yep. this because we get I don't even know how many entries, but let's just say uh, if we drop an episode of Doctrine and Devotion, mm -hmm. it'll be listened to five thousand times or more within a week. Yeah, right. Yeah, at so, least five thousand. We yeah. just say that we yeah. say that to keep for advertisers to know what we're doing. All right, so but this, I mean, this is a small pool of people. Yeah, a smaller group, and so uh, we're giving away. A couple of things, two things, but it's more than two books. Yeah. The so first from, is what from Crossway, mm -hmm. "Rejoice and Tremble" by Michael Reeves. That's right, Christopher Reeves' younger brother. <laughs> so, what's that book about, Joe? It's about the fear of the Lord, and we need good modern treatments of this. The best ones are are old, and uh, a, a friend of ours, uh, Chris Pobletti, wrote a book on this. Never forgetty, Chris Pobletti, Mom Spaghetti, a really good book. Small. This is a bigger book, and uh, it, you, you need to get it, but you have a chance to win that for free. And Banner of Truth is now, uh, they're going to be sending you the Treasures of John Owen box set. Nice. Man. Uh, nice. Yeah. Th this is, it, first of all, it looks good on your shelf. So even if you don't read it, you'll look cool. Yeah. But you should read it because you want to be cool. Looking cool is one thing. Being cool is another. Yeah. And uh, you want to be cool? You want to read John Owen. Now, if you want to enter to win this, here's what you do. All you got to do is share a link to our all access page. So doctrinedevotion.com slash all access and explain what you like about all access, why it's beneficial for you, how it's fun, whatever you like, right? Mm. Share all access. Hey man, I'm an all access member. I love that. And just use the hashtag doc and Devo and, uh, We'll pick a winner and we'll let you guys know next week who won. There we go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, listen, we got a message from an all access listener. Oh, so we're going to let's go. Eh, let's uh, let's banter that up. All right. This guy's name is Jason. Okay. And he says, hey, boys. Hey, boys. <laughs> what, what, is, what is he doing? What is he? I am a public high school teacher and an all access member. Thank you. And I could use your help. We're here to help. The ISBE. What is that? Uh, Illinois State Board of Education. Mm -hmm. Ooh, are you impressed? Uh, you knew. Yeah. Yeah is working to pass new standards uh, that will require all teachers to teach and affirm what is essentially uh, critical race theory in the I. What is that? Intersectionality? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, in their classrooms. Based on what I read, my bosses could require me to tell my students that homosexuality, transgender, etc., are good and right because that is what they believe their identity is. Obviously, I would never do this as a follower of Jesus, and I could see a situation where that would cost me my job. Yeah. I was wondering if you guys could do a podcast, special or banter of truth, to talk about this because one, I would like your opinions on whether I'm making too much of this or if I'm appropriately concerned, and two, to get the word out about these standards so Illinois residents who don't want this can have the knowledge to speak out. 
I'm a teacher and just found out about this today. And February 16th is the day that we're making a final decision on this. I love you guys and your ministry, both at Redeemer Fellowship. I listened through the Luke series you guys did and D&D, Banter of Truth. You have encouraged me in my walk with Christ and brought joyful mirth to my life with your awesome shenanigans. <laughs> That's very nice. Uh, I put a link to the article describing the standards and the standards themselves below. Yeah. And, uh, and man, thank you, Jason. That's very nice. For, thank you for sharing this. Um, and we'll talk about like our history and current practice okay. uh, ourselves, but let's just back up a little bit. This whole debate about whether or not Christians should be sending their kids to public schools is not new. Now it's, it's been increasing uh, with intensity over the last, you know, 10 years or so mm -hmm. uh, because the culture is changing and therefore the board of education is changing and what is being demanded of teachers yeah. and students is changing. In fact, back in 2005, uh, Dr. Al Mohler, everybody knows Al Mohler, uh, he said this. I believe that this is so this is a while ago. Mm -hmm. I believe that now is the time for responsible Southern Baptists to develop an exit strategy from the public schools. He said uh, this strategy would affirm the basic and ultimate responsibility of Christian parents to take charge of the education of their own children. The strategy would also affirm the responsibility of churches to equip parents, support families and offer alternatives. At the same time, this strategy must acknowledge that the that Southern Baptist churches, families, and parents do not yet see the same realities, the same threats, and the same challenges in every context. Sadly, this is almost certainly just a matter of time. So what Al is saying is that um, there are some school districts and some states where these changes are severe, significant, and demand action. Mm -hmm. But in other places, it may not yet be a problem. Yeah. And I know- But to start thinking these things through. Right. And so for, for years- uh, and uh, raising my kids, uh, it has not been much of an issue. And we'll talk a little bit about that later and how things obviously in Illinois are changing. So let's just do big picture thing here. Mm -hmm. Why are some people, because these people get passionate, people yeah. get amped over this. Some people are super passionate about keeping their kids in public education. Why? I think for some, uh, as a witness, mm -hmm. right? Um, salt and light. Salt and light uh, in a lost world, right? Um, I think also part of that is, I, at least I, okay, my position had been, I had seen like homeschool kids mm -hmm. and this again, very broad brushstrokes, but there, there's a stigma about like an awkward, you know, awkward child, right? And so what I wanted for my kids and passion, I was passionate about keep my kids in public school uh, was I, I can only shelter them from the world for so long. Right. At some point. Uh, they're going to be out there and I want them to develop the tools and the uh, the, the 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 strength, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to stand firm against a culture. Yeah, because I had seen kids who had been sheltered uh, and then they go off to college and university and they go off on the deep end. Yeah, because they've never had they've never learned. How do you how do you live in the world? But not you're not of the world. Right. And hopefully, um, you know, our parents are doing a good job of teaching their kids this, whether they're in public school, homeschool, yeah. private school, whatever. But yeah, I think a lot of people think that way. Um, I know that, you know, some school districts are very good and they offer great, great education, um, great education. And then others aren't so much. I know when um, when our kids, when our first children were, were coming of age to go to school, we were in a school district that was bad. And, and not even not even that it was uh, pushing 
uh, ideologies that our kids couldn't handle mm -hmm. as much as the education was bad. And so we decided to homeschool early on and we would take it a year at a time because number one, uh, we wanted to have more influence on them in their younger years before we put them into public school because we were going to put them in public school. Um, but also because we were just in a bad place. It just, you know, it wasn't the right place. Yeah, see, for me, it was different because our yeah. district is a is a very good yeah. district, right? Uh, it's ranked pretty well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was like, well, this is great education for my kids um, and great opportunities for them. And I, once we moved and we got into a really good school district, uh, then we... And we, we knew the school, we knew the teachers, we knew what was going on. We were happy to put even our young kids, like, you know, uh, third and fourth grade, mm -hmm. like, go ahead, go. Our kids are, you know, our, my kids are tough. Like they're, 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 I think they're smart and tough. They're not, they're not uh, impressionable. I'm, yeah. They're not as impressionable as, as some, every kid is different, right? On, even all of our kids are different. So we were happy to send them now. So some people want to keep them in because they believe that I think you're right. That's the one I hear a lot. You're supposed to be salt and light. Um, and obviously there's ways to push back against that. Let's talk about that. What are some, what are some so adamant about pulling them out in general? I mean, I, I heard someone say uh, a few years ago and I don't remember. I, I, I think it was Vadi. I think it was Vadi that said it. Or Vodi. Vodi. Vadi uh, said something like, you know, you send, you send your kids, uh, you send, what is this? Oh, you sent, uh, you send your kids to be taught by Caesar. Then how do you not expect them to come out as Romans? Yeah. Right. Like there is indoctrination. Yeah. You know, that that happens. And so uh, they're adamant about pulling them out because we have a culture that's increasingly anti-Christian. Yeah. That's increasingly anti-scripture and anti-gospel. Uh, and our kids are are impressionable at a young age. Right. And they're hearing that. And they're being asked to make make decisions mm -hmm. on on you know these matters yep. uh, away from their parents mm -hmm. and being influenced by their teachers and their peers um, and being told what you're hearing at home. I mean, essentially, they're being told that's wrong. Yeah, this is what's right. Be right. And they're there for what seven hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long, that's a time, long time. And so yeah. yeah, you know, Caesar teaching your kids. It's, you know, how could he not expect him to come out as Romans? And then for you, I mean, if you're a Christian and you are sending your kids to a public school, uh, the argument against this is you're going to have to spend a whole lot of time undoing, yeah. unpacking and then undoing all that, they're, not all, but much of what they're being fed yeah. in that public institution. So it's, you know, it's not just that, uh, oh, they're going to hear some bad things because you really got to look at your kids. What can my kids handle and what's being taught? And, uh, you know, what is the risk factor? There's always a risk factor. And so, I mean, we were blessed, like so our kids are, are no longer in public school, but we were blessed uh, that for the couple of years that uh, Cohen was there, hmm. um, those his teachers were believers. That's nice. And we didn't know that. Like, hmm. it was not like we, you know, but apparently like she picked up on the vibes from Cohen because Cohen would just say, yeah, yeah we got church. Sunday yeah. school was great. Yeah. And he would just talk to his friends and he would just say it. And so she got the vibes and we would get messages mm. of like, hey, uh, this happened today. Like this was said or this you might like talk to him yeah. just about that. Like not that he was negative or nothing like about him, but it was more like others were saying this. And I could tell he was a little confused because mm -hmm. they were going in a worldly sense, these kids and maybe talk to your child right. to help like because they understood like you, you, you weren't there to hear what was being taught or what was being said. 
So make sure you follow up with them mm. uh, from a scriptural basis. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, I mean, that's, and that's a risk on that on that teacher's part to do oh, that. Yeah, yeah, you got to be super careful as a teacher. Yeah. Again, it's the all, state it, is increasingly hostile. It, so it was, it was such a grace of God for us, you know? Yeah, we actually sent Catherine to a Christian school when we were in that bad school district. Mm. Uh, she got to high school. And our thoughts were, listen, um, if our kids are, if we feel they're ready, we're going to send them into public school, especially if it's a good school. Uh, Catherine hit high school and that's, we, we think they're ready by then for sure. Um, and so Catherine went to a Christian high school and she loved it. She loved it. She made friends. Everything was great. Then we moved, got to this uh, better school district. And uh, the, the Christian schools out here, we could not afford, not by any stretch of the imagination. They're much more expensive. And so we sent her. That's why I had to go to Naperville. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's even more expensive. I know. <laughs> um, so we sent her to the public school, which is a great school. It's a very good school. Um, but she made no friends. She's a very quiet kid. Yeah. Made no friends. And because in a Christian school, people tend to reach out to each other a bit more. Um, then they oftentimes will at a public school. And uh, after that, she's like, hey, you know what? Can I just be homeschooled for the rest of my high school stuff? Because this is, you know, and we said, absolutely, that's, that's fine. Um, and we put our younger two in a, in a public school that, uh, and they, they did well, they thrived. Uh, kids are well-liked, they're getting a good education. Um, but we decided to pull them back out for a couple of reasons. One, we began to hear about some of this. And again, I'm not freaking out because it's not passed yet, but you got to pay attention because it, it might be passed. And then the school is going to be pushing, you know, a very particular ideology. That coupled with COVID and the fact that the teachers were really put in a bad situation. Mm. I'm not mad at the teachers for how messed up things are at our no, schools right now. Nope, it's, not at all. It's, it's the administration's fault. Yep. Uh, and, it's, and it's the state's fault for making things just almost impossible. So um, we pulled them out and now we're working through, are, are they just gonna remain homeschooled or not? Yeah. And we're what we're paying close attention to the situation. Yeah. That and that, yeah, and like, yeah, I mean, two years ago, you know, we started hearing about mm -hmm. this uh, and, you know, Michelle and I spend a lot of time talking, praying uh, and just asking like, all right, is now the time to pull them out? Yeah. And we knew homeschool was just not what we're gonna do. Right. Like, and again, it's we don't have that gift. We are not gifted in that way. Um, I hats off to all those parents at homeschool. We got a lot of families that do homeschool at our church, and a lot of families do public school, and yeah. a lot of families do private school. I, I know, but I'm, what I'm trying to get at is yeah. that's a hard yeah. ministry, and I have, I think I, in my ignorance, my ignorance and arrogance, I had had this assumption early on uh, for years of like. Homeschool's phoning it in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's just phoning it, it can in. Be. And I'm sure it can. But what we learned over watching and knowing and 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 yeah. watching these children and, and even us having to do a bit of homeschool, um, it is really, really difficult. Yeah. It's extremely difficult. And that is such a ministry that uh uh is a thankless one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's often a thankless ministry uh, that these these parents are doing. And it's just such a uh, I couldn't do it. So we had to we looked mm -hmm. at schools and we looked at quite a few schools, uh, uh, private schools uh, that we could. Send we've our, got a number of good private schools here. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to go with one that was a classically Christian education mm -hmm. um, and one that I mean, now we're talking CRT, uh, uh, one that had more diversity yep 
you know, like, so yeah, I had to leave St. Charles, you know, uh, to find more diversity for my children at a Christian, classical Christian education right. school, right? Mm -hmm. In Naperville of all places. Right. Uh, the and, whitest city. <laughs> yeah. It was in Naperville is very white, but the school attracts people from all over the area. Exactly. And all be believers from all over mm -hmm. the area. And so, yeah, I mean, my, my kids have had great questions and comments and great experiences, but so yeah, we, we began, we started pulling our kids out two years ago. Um, cause we saw this yeah. and we're just like, no, no, we're, we're done. Yeah. I, I, I'm not doing this. And I think that, you know, as we're kind of looking at this, it is important that we don't become the police for everybody else. It, yes. It's one thing to issue a warning and go, Hey guys, I'm really concerned. You should be careful here. Uh, and that's good. But at the same time, they, those parents are responsible for their kids yeah. and every kid is different and each school might wind up being quite a bit different. Well, and, so, and every know, family situation is different, right? Yeah. Like it's easy for me to pull easy, quote unquote, right. e for me to pull my kids out and put them into a private school because I have the means to do that. Right. Not everyone has that. Exactly. And so I think that's why I, I really resonate with what you're saying there. We can't bind people's conscience saying yeah. if you're leaving your kids in public school, you are are failing right or you are sinning or mm -hmm. you are not truly giving your kids the greatest opportunity that they need to thrive yeah uh and i i have that i have those means right and so you know we saw the crt stuff happening we were getting you know uh the homosexuality thing like we were, we we're getting the vibe that this is the direction things are going mm -hmm. uh and it large it was it you know cohen's class was 30 something students yeah and we always thought like, man, he's a bright kid. And he is. I'm not going to pretend like, you know, I'm not going to say he's not bright. But when he got into a class of eight, we really began to see the the shortcomings of sure. his public school education. Yeah. Right. Because then that's not on the teachers. You have 30 something kids. You can only give so much attention. When and the curriculum, and the curriculum, testing, all that stuff. When you have impact. seven to eight kids, it's much easier to, to now pinpoint, mm -hmm. you know, his shortcomings and to address those issues. And so, yeah, early on, he's struggling. He's still, you know, we're working through some things. Um, but yeah, we just found that a smaller school yeah. classroom uh, really helps him. You get the benefit of a of smaller class. He can't classes. hide. Yeah. Benefit of the smaller classes. Also, like one of the reasons we decided to homeschool, especially early on, was because we really don't like the model of education in America. Jen's from Germany. And the kids spend far less time in school during the day and have far less homework at night than they do here. And their education system is better. Yeah. Um, you know, we really like it. I really think it ought to be more like a, a college or, or collegiate um, structure where, you know, when a kid goes to school for eight hours and then they've got four hours of homework, I think that's a mismanagement of time in terms of training the kids. Now, that's not something that you can just change in a, in a government funded public school, mm -hmm. but these private schools can, they can tailor, they got smaller classes mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like the, the, the trivium, right. Of, of the classical model is I think a really, really good uh, basis. And so, yeah, I think make sure, like, like you said, not everybody can afford it. Like sometimes both parents work. Sometimes it's one parent. Uh, they can't homeschool their kid. No. Well, like, what are they going to do? So we got to find ways to be supportive, to help. Um, and then of course, you know, there are schools that do scholarships. So like you can always apply to that. Like all of the Christian schools out here that I've talked to and preached at for their chapels, they all offer scholarships uh, where they'll, they'll pay either uh, most to all. So some 
some kids that can't afford it can get in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we do need to be, uh, I think, patient and sensitive with each other. But we do need to be sensitive to what's being taught in our schools. And that brings us back to what Jason is saying. Uh, so Jason has a question here, Jimmy. Uh, he says, let me find it. Uh, okay. Am I making too much of this? Or am I appropriately concerned? Well, obviously, I don't think you're making too much of it no because way. I left yep. two years ago mm -hmm. at when I just got a whiff of it. And how hard for him? He's a teacher. Yeah. His livelihood is on the line here. Yeah. Oh. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't say this lightly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't say this lightly because uh, this, has, this has ramifications for you. Yeah. Right? And your employment uh, and your... Uh, well, you know, I'm, I guess, I, you might be married and you got children like this. This impacts your family. Yeah. And I don't know if you're married with kids, but I'm just, you know. Oh, uh, I got 10 kids. You, yeah, you probably have 15 kids. And now you're asking me, <laughs> should I should I tell you to quit? Yeah, yeah. learn to code, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is incredibly difficult. And I think you're right. I Because I, I think you, you hint at this, uh, Jason. Like, see how it plays out. Like, so... If I was in your situation, first of all, uh, I would be looking. I would be looking for employment, uh, opportunities to teach at other schools. If you mm -hmm. teach at a Christian school, mm -hmm. the pay is less. Almost guaranteed the pay is less. Yeah. Uh, you just don't because you can make. I Listen, I know a lot of teachers talk about how little they make, and that's oftentimes true. But around here, teachers make pretty good money uh, because yeah. you can look up their salaries. Yeah. And so I, I, like, I remember back in, uh, I think it was 2000, I looked and saw... Because I was making like thirty-four grand a year in two thousand. Okay. And the the math teacher who taught at the public high school made ninety grand a year. Wow. And he'd been there for a while. Yeah. So and I don't I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Pay your teachers well. But you go to a Christian school, you're likely to make a lot less money, uh, depending on the school. And uh, so it's not gonna be as simple as just like, oh, I'll just go to a Christian school. But I would start looking for opportunities in case you do need the transition mm -hmm. out. But play it by ear, like, like see what's happening, see how this vote goes and then see what your school does require of you as a teacher. Will they allow you to have, you know, freedom to, uh, to, to not say every, like, you know, you're going to have to make that, make that choice for yourself. I can promise you this. We will pray for you. Mm -hmm. We'll pray for you because you're an all access member. <laughs> we ain't praying for the people that aren't all access, all access. Members. But see, this is, this is advice though, for really anyone yeah. because every profession, right. And any job is going to come up with, Maybe not CRTI, but they're going to come up with, uh, there's going to be situations and opportunities where you're going to have to make the choice. Yeah. Are you standing firm or are you compromising? Yeah. Like, I mean, even in, in, in for me, in business. in business, in the corporate world, mm -hmm. I'm constantly having to uh, work through how I handle a situation. Yeah. Do I, how bad are you going to stick it to your competitors? Am I going to go about this? Am I going to go about this situation or this negotiation in a God honoring way? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to compromise my beliefs yeah. on fair trade, fair, you know, being fair and just uh, and and uh, and but but not, you know, not, not a profit for not, your company at the same. Yeah. And, and not tipping the scales of mm -hmm. justice in such a way where I am. Uh, stealing in a I love, way. I love that you're looking for the, the appropriate words to use here. I know I am. I'm trying to find <laughs> I'm trying to find the appropriate words because because I'm I'm constantly battling this. I'm constantly battling like it's a family business and yeah. my job is to to turn over profits. But how I go about that, 
how I go yeah. about that matters. In a capitalistic society, uh, you aren't being forced. You shouldn't be forced into a situation, but you're, you, you have two parties that are agree, come to an agreement mm -hmm. of, hey, what, this is good for me on my end and you think it's good for you. So now we'll go ahead. Now we and formalize that. that and now I live by that. Yeah. You know, I, I continually tell customers that like, let's not have a contract. Like, no, we have to have a contract because we both need to understand what it, what the expectations are yep. for each of us. Commitments. Mm -hmm. And I will commit to that. Yep. And I will, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly, I hear from my customers, like, you know, I'll call them up and say, hey, I actually owe you some money mm -hmm. because you reached this and, you know, uh, it was missed. I'm so sorry. I'm going to give you a credit for this amount. And they go, what? I'll go, yeah, I'm going to give you a credit. You can put it towards your future orders uh, because I was billing you at X rate when it should have been Y. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is our agreement. I'm honoring that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It was an oversight. was not on purpose. I was not trying to take from you that which was yours. I think that's a part of why your company is successful because it's a big corporation. It, you do a, a lot of business, uh, e even you know uh, internationally. Um, but I've seen you and I hear of how the company runs. Um, you guys do hard business. Like and you you play hardball, right? Like it's you 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 can't exist in that market and not be intense and serious. I'm and, a lion, not a sheep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, but you're fair, and I think you know you act in in righteousness. Like you 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 don't want anybody to try and take advantage of you, mm -hmm. and you're not looking to take advantage of somebody else. If by that we mean you know put put them in a situation where they are really getting an unfair exchange. Well, yeah. And like in 2020, you know, everything went down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I've got contracts where if you don't reach a certain quota, mm -hmm. I have the right, right to, to, to do certain things mm -hmm. and, and be co compensated yeah. for that. And so, you know, I had one customer that was uh, really struggling and they're like, well, you have, I go, listen, I want you to know, that I, I, I can exercise that right, but I refuse to exercise that right in this situation because you were acting in good faith. Mm -hmm. And it, it, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. If you're acting, if you were not acting in good faith, I would exercise that right. You get dinged. Yeah, you get dinged, <laughs> but you were acting in good faith and the situation was out of your hands yeah. and I'm not going to penalize you mm -hmm. and penal penalize, and, me, yeah. no, penalize, penalize you uh, for that. And so because our the relationship here matters to me and how we conduct ourselves matters and I mean, the individual was floored by it that yeah. I refused to exercise my right to get more money out of them when it was totally out of their control. And I'm like, no, you weren't, you know, again, you were not, if you were, if you were acting in bad faith, I'm going to hit you and I'm right. going to hit you hard Yeah, um, because it's my right. But, but taking care of people, it just, it, it, it breeds loyalty. Yeah. Like, wow. You took care of me when you didn't really have to, yeah. you chose to, I love you for that. Yeah. And I am excited about this partnership and I want to keep this going and I want to get the, it, and so. yeah, they've increased their business by, by 25% with mm -hmm. me. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. It's just good business. Um, so yeah, Jason, man, you're in a, you're in a bad way. Um, so speak up, you know, be a voice for truth exercise that prophetic voice mm -hmm. uh but yeah you're in a hard hard way we will be praying let us know like let us know uh how things roll out for you and uh and we'll uh we, we, well, we want to hear um because we want you to flourish as you follow god in your vocation mm. all right jimmy i had something i wanted to throw at you all right so i was talking to a pastor recently okay and we were talking about how uh, sort of coaching them through like how do you interact with people 
in this situation versus that situation. Okay. And, and they they were looking for advice on on how to think and mm -hmm. respond well in different situations because they found themselves, oh, in this situation, I'm fine. But yeah, over here yeah. in this situation, uh, I, I, I sort of freeze up and I don't know what to do. Okay. So okay. I, and so as far as I know, this just came off the top of my head. All right. And you probably read it somewhere. I probably read it somewhere else. You probably read it and now know. you don't remember. So, so uh, I'm taking credit for this. So no, no, no. Here's how you say it. Okay. Yeah. Someone once said, I don't know that that's true. Well, no, you just said it. No, it I might don't. be you. Someone once said, and it could have been you, it could have been someone else. Who knows? Yeah, I'm just going to say, so this came to my head. Someone and, once uh, said. And I said this to him. Because someone once said. Uh, not before me. And uh, <laughs> so I said, listen, you got to think about yourself as a pastor. Uh, and this applies to all kinds of ministry contexts, not just pastors. But um I think of ourselves as pastors, most of the time we are like general practitioners. We're doctors, family doctors, mm -hmm. right? And so there's just there's ongoing checkups and 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 things that happen that doctors do. Mm -hmm. And as a pastor who is a general practitioner, I'm talking I'm thinking like, okay, this is when you're you're preaching, you're teaching, you're praying, mm -hmm. you're doing your visitation, you're talking to people. It's the mm -hmm. ongoing normal rhythms of pastoral ministry. Okay. And that's what most pastors are comfortable with they're trained in that yeah and so pastors general practitioner uh -huh. most of the time sometimes though we got to step out of the general practitioner mode or model and we become pastor as emt right um, okay yeah and so it's like you know this is a crisis something is happening somebody is hurt wounded freaking out um and so this is not you know the 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 guy in a in a in a nice white coat, just kind of chilling. Like you're rolling up in the ambulance mm -hmm. and somebody is on the ground and now you've got to assess the damage. Yeah. You've got to diagnose critical problems and you've got to step in and make quick decisions to get them to safety. Yeah. So think like it, 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 all kinds, I don't need to pinpoint a particular example, but we step into that sometimes. Yeah, right. okay. And third, and I, I, I can guess this one because I think I know where this is from. Continue. So, okay, good. There's no way all three of these are from something. Uh, well, is no the third, hold on, is the third one pastor a surgeon? Yeah, because I told you earlier. Because uh, I heard Piper, okay, brother, that. brother, well, we are not professionals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, 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 the, yeah, the book, brother, I, we are I, not. I, yeah, I read it. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then here you got it well, from. Well, pastor as surgeon, I've heard that before. I'm I, actually I, joking. I, Piper didn't write that. And I didn't read that book. So. Okay, so I did. <laughs> but, and sometimes we, we, have, we have to do the work of a surgeon, which is intense, focused, very specific ministry and yeah. activity and care yeah. for people uh, it, that may not be like the, the crisis just happened and we got to get them to safety. Now it's like, how do we begin to put them back together mm. in a very intense and uh, personal, mm. oftentimes private way? So I was thinking about this, like pastor. Uh, and again, this no, could I have like come this. from somebody else. No, I really General I, I practitioner, don't EMT, surgeon. Is that, you think that is true? Do you think we, do you think that those are three um three ways in which pastors do need to function no, yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to think if i would add anything uh to that but no absolutely i mean um so why don't we go through those three okay because i think uh yeah i want to expand on those three so general practitioner general practitioner so you're saying oftentimes that's that's just like uh the preaching you know basic counseling if you would yeah discipleship um, training up of leaders, mm. um, the managing of the church. Yeah, the regular, consistent rhythms that we're in. Like I'm supposed to go see my doctor on the regular. 
Mm-hmm. I don't do I that. I know you don't do that. I don't do that. Yeah. Um, and then my meds run out. And then I'm like, hey, I got to get in right now. And my meds are out. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, yeah, it's going to take a couple of weeks. So here's some, some meds. And then you got to come in. And um, then you don't come in. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, got, got, no, I, just, I run out again. I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> I, I ran out. Can you, can you help me out? And I, 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 like, I like that, right? Like when I thought about myself being a pastor, that's what I thought about. That's what came to my mind is the regular ongoing soul care of people. And I think that's lives. I think that's what they teach at school too, right? Yeah. They focus a lot on that. They focus mm-hmm. a lot on yeah the the uh, being a general practitioner of a church, uh, and I think we do good at that. We we teach our uh, seminarians, uh, our students. Here's how you manage. Here's how you manage the functions of the church. Mm-hmm. Here's what you should be doing. You know the budget wise yeah. and and training wise, and make sure your here's your hermeneutics on how to you know craft your sermon. Uh, yeah yeah sorry as we're as we're talking about that i feel then that uh because i want to move past this because i think a lot this is this is the one part that we're good at and unfortunately pastors stay here yeah they stay here because uh they we don't teach them the other two aspects of it very well yeah. well this is and or at least is, give them a heads up this is more comfortable you know this is is more safe and one of the things that which leads us into emt and surgeon but one of the things that I knew going into ministry was there's going to be hurting people. Mm-hmm. And a part of my job is to help hurting people, is to walk with them through suffering. What I wasn't prepared for was just how much suffering there is, yeah. how many people are hurting, and how many crises we will confront uh, throughout a year uh, with mm. different families. And that's where I think you know the EMT model comes in because man we've been doing this together for a while yeah uh yeah we've we've had to go rescue we've roll up in the ambulance yeah. and uh and have had to i mean i know you know jimmy's had to go to a place where a guy is in trouble morally and go time to go yeah let's 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 go i gotta help you now in this moment um yeah we've, we've both gotten those those texts or those calls mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock at night one in the morning yep you know uh, whether from an individual, like the actual person needing help, yep. or the spouse saying, "Yep, help, yep, please I don't help." Know what's going I don't on. know what's happening. I can't, I, I can't find the individual. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I, 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 I know which bars to go check. Right, and it's, I mean, like we're talking. This is when you get the call. Uh, uh, there has been sexual abuse of a yeah. minor, and you got to step in. Uh, drunkenness, uh, uh, drug addiction, um, uh, a child hurting. Yeah, I mean, there, you're gonna. There was another one I was thinking about where uh, you know somebody will call and say, "Hey, you know what? Um, just confessed to my spouse that I had an affair." Yeah, right. So there's a bunch of situations that are emergency, time sensitive. You got to step in, and the thing you can't do when you're an EMT is freeze up. No, you don't no. have time for that. You've you've got to think quickly. Um, and as an EMT, like, so when an EMT arrives on the scene, let's say there's a the homeboy's on the ground, right? He mm-hmm. rolls up in the ambulance, mm-hmm. hops out, homeboy on the ground. Uh, he speaks to him, checks his pulse, right? Uh, no response. How's the pulse? Pulse is there. He begins to do that quick, like they touch the skull. They try to look, are there any fractures mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. On the and they start, and that's like a, a pastor will, will do this oftentimes by asking questions. Yeah. You got to ask a lot of questions. What's yeah. going on? What happened? How, what led to this? You know, so you can kind of get a sense of, of what's happening. The quickest way to get out of, I'm f- frozen and I don't know what to do, is start asking questions about yeah. the situation at hand. Yeah, because I think those questions, you're going to have follow-up questions based mm-hmm. on their responses, right? Yeah. Uh, and from there, 
you know, you're able to kind of get a good assessment of the problem and the issues yeah. and, and the concerns that need to get delved in deeper later on, which is the surgical aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but for now you're kind of, you are like, you have to press in. Yeah. And I think oftentimes, uh, when we have EMT situations, we deal with it as a general practitioner. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, not a, you can't do it. You can't because this is an individual, and, and I mean, using your analogy, I mean, they're on the the precipice of of disaster. Mm -hmm. They're on the precipice of uh, of dying spiritually. Yeah, and you're like, okay, so um, you know, I'm gonna encourage you to read your Bible every day and pray, and then I'll, I'll I'll talk to you next week. That's not that's general practitioner mode. Yeah, that that is not getting to the root of the problem and di uh, diagnosing. Yeah. The, in, the situation in diagnosing in dire circumstances right yeah like it's this like like this person is bleeding this person is broken and so you may not have all the information you're not going to have all the information and you may not know like what the physical therapy maybe that's another role right pastor's mm -hmm. physical therapist um after surgery right yeah, like yeah. Ooh, there, there you go there, see we now we have four so you, you you diagnose what you can treat the most critical issues and get them to safety now safety is going to look different for everybody in these different situations mm -hmm. sometimes it means plugging them into rehab uh sometimes it means uh you know getting them home setting them up and then getting back to them tomorrow but just getting them safe uh sometimes it means uh, uh, sometimes it's just a it's a it's a thoughtful conversation we do a lot of listening and some very strategic speaking uh to get them off the ledge mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. EMT is like decisive, quick, get get somebody out of the immediate danger mm -hmm. so that they can then be more thoroughly diagnosed by the surgeon, right? By yeah. the specialist. And there, that's like, that's where you're really kind of doing the work, right? You're really kind of doing the work. Uh, you've assessed it. Now you're going deeper. And that's where it's, it's, it, it's painful for the individual as well because yeah. you're confronting mm -hmm you know, some sin in their life that yeah. right? you're confronting some problems that are going on mm -hmm. and you're walking with them through it. And it's with pinpoint accuracy. Yeah. It's no longer this general sense, right? You've now, you know, assessed the sin in their life and now you're hitting that sin hard. Right. Uh, and you're confronting them for that. Uh, and you're, you're saying you're pointing to the gospel and you're pointing to Christ and mm -hmm. you're saying, this is so much better and this is what you're called to right. let go of that sin now. And if it's not sin, it might be that they were sinned against, right? Sin's yeah. always involved in some way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if it's just sin, a, a sinful creation so that somebody's having a mental health crisis, mm. right? Sin's always connected to it in one way or another. But uh, the surgeon, here, here's the thing. Christians do, like pastors in particular, they can be general practitioners like, hey man, all right, this person's healthy, this person's sick. Okay, but what we need to do is we need to go deeper than that to say like, okay, here are the specific problems, mm -hmm, and you can't just mm -hmm. go, like, oh, well, the gospel is the is the is the answer. Well, it, it is, but how does the gospel and all of the truth I of love God that. specifically that. apply to their specific problems? Because some people are proud and arrogant and stubborn, and they need the law to first break them before yes. they can be reset yes. with the gospel, right? I before like they can be healed up. And other people are so wounded, they're so broken, they just need the life-giving support of the gospel. They're prepared for it, they're ready. But you gotta figure that out because you can do that surgery for people and hopefully you'll have a team of surgeons. Hopefully you're not just mm -hmm, flying solo mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. You got a team of surgeons. Uh, hopefully it's not Mo, Larry and Curly in the surgery room. <laughs> We've all seen those episodes. Um, you know, like, uh, I love, I do love the three. Students, yeah, they're so. great. Um, but then, then we were, we just kind of mentioned pastor as physical therapist. I think that's really important. I love that. So my mom, pastor post-op. 
So my mom, uh, God rest her soul, she's with Jesus right now. Um, she had knee replacement surgery. She had both of her knees replaced. Good doctors, did the work, boom, boom, all set up. But she would not do her physical therapy. She uh, and the physical therapist came and they said, you got to do this. and You got to do this every week because if you don't, those knees are going to lock up and they'll be completely you'll be completely useless. Mm. And she refused to do anything. And they said, OK, well, there's nothing we can do here for you at this point. You're on your own. And she was wheelchair bound for the rest of her life, um, even though she she had the EMT stuff. She had the surgery. But and in this case, it wasn't. Uh, the medical staff not doing their job. It's that she would, she was refusing to do her exercises and all of that stuff, but it still pushes the point. Whereas yeah. after surgery, you, you do have to follow up with physical therapy. And this is an area where I have failed in the past. I remember a family years and years ago, it was actually at a different church, but years ago, a, a family got into big trouble. So I stepped out of general practitioner mode into EMT. Boom. And I honestly, I think I did a pretty good job. Mm. EMT. I EMT'd that sucker. <laughs> and I said the right things. I did the right things. But I don't even know that I ever made it to the role of surgeon. And I definitely didn't made it make it to the role of physical therapist uh, by walking with them through the ongoing rehab that they need to get whole again. Yeah. I sort of just, I you know, and for different reasons, right? Part of me was saying like, well, you know, the... I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Uh, I know it's awkward for them and I think things are going well. So I'm just going to back away because mm -hmm. uh, I like to be left alone, which isn't good. Yeah. So we assume, I assume everyone, they probably so want to yeah, be left everyone, alone. Yeah. 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 And, and they didn't. In fact, they, they came to me years later and they said, mm, we needed you. Mm. We needed you for that rehab and you kind of like left us. And so a learning moment, right? I had to repent and apologize for that. So pastor as I'm going to add that. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. Um, and as we're reflecting on it, I think personally, this part to me is the most frustrating. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I, I'm okay. I'm all right. Now I'm not making it sound arrogant, right? Like I do think I do well at the, the GP, you know, uh, uh, the EMT, uh, the surgeon, but I get frustrated when like, you're trying to help someone and you're, you're saying like using your mom as an example, right? right? They're not doing the work. Yeah. And you see like, we're going to be right back at this. Mm -hmm. We're going to be right back at this. If you, you just, just do it. But okay. So like my dad has had a couple stents put in, mm -hmm. you know, cause he, he eats like a, like a beast. Okay. Okay. And his all arteries right. get all clogged up. Yeah. So I've taken him. They, they go, hey, we got to have to put the stent in there, which means I got to put up like a thing in there to open up the veins so the blood gets through. And then, uh, so he's in, and then when he goes out, you know what he wants? A cheeseburger. Fast food. Yeah, okay, he's like, okay. all right, let's go, let's go hit up uh, Burger King. I want a Whopper. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dad. <laughs> my daddy can't have a, a Whopper. But yeah, that, and that, listen, if you're in ministry, you're going to experience that, whether you're leading a small group or just involved in other Christians doing ministry together and you're responsible, you're going to find people, you're going to, you're going to help them. You'll rescue them. You'll get them on the right path. And then they are just not going to do the work to stay healthy. Mm. And they'll go right back and they're going to need another and, no, and, well, no, and, and then they blame you. They can. Yeah. If, if they're if people in a bad way. Yeah. They're not. They don't, let, they don't look at themselves. They tend to look at you. Yeah. So, so again, you know, I said that this is one of the most frustrating, but mm -hmm. it's also uh, one of the most joyful moments when you see someone yeah. as as 
they've fully recovered. Mm-hmm. You know, now whether, you know who you're thinking about right now. Yeah, yeah. like you you see them fully recover, mm-hmm. and you're like, praise God, oh, awesome. Look at praise that. God for running with that new knees. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, instead of just shuffling along, not even <laughs> wheeling, wheeling along. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh my gosh, you're heavy, girl. I gotta carry you everywhere. I gotta do all this stuff, mom. Mom, just do your, just bend your just knee, do the up. exercises. She's like, I don't want to. Fine, let me just watch my shows. I'm like, yeah, great. So that means I gotta do your stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, but you know what? What's that? God forgives and restores. Yeah, you know, and uh, it is. It's a. I was talking with a pastor recently and saying how it's it's it, it's an amazing undeserved opportunity and gift that God would allow us to be pastors. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? People say like, you know, if you live what you do and never work a day in your life. Yeah. yeah. It's eh. the dumbest thing. Yeah. It's, dumb, it's hard work. I love the work. Yeah. But it is hard. Yeah. You're going to work hard if you love it. If you if you really love it, you're going to pour yourself into it. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard work. It's really hard work. But it is... Um, it is something that God empowers us to do. So um, I'm grateful that we get to do this, especially at the church we get to do it because uh, we just happen to be at the greatest church That's right. in North America. That's right. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram, Twitter, at Doc and Devo, or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrVotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast. You can go to the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh pod every Monday and Thursday. We got them blog posts and video content, and you are already all access thank you, you got it all so much stay tuned make sure you enter in for the banter of truth and crossway giveaway it's banner of truth and crossway oh yeah yeah, yeah. but we we're are banter, banter of yeah. truth yeah, yeah. later uh, uh. yeah